0: The school, the school was Yale University. The project was a midterm paper. The young man was to finish a midterm paper for an economics class. He was a junior at Yale, not a particularly very good student. He had a dream within him. He had a dream to create a company that would deliver packages overnight. And um, so he wrote it. That's what he wrote. He wrote the business plan during this midterm paper, and uh, the young man, a junior from Yale University, late 60s, got the paper back, and he got a big fat C on the paper. And the professor said, this will never work. A hub in Memphis, Tennessee will never work. You'll never be able to deliver overnight packages. Now, nobody in the room knows the name of the professor, but several of you in the room know the name of Fred Smith, and all of you in the room know the name of the company, which is FedEx. You've all delivered packages through FedEx. You've all received packages through FedEx. Look at some of the statistics about Federal Express. Here we go. You've seen the trucks? Maybe you've not, hopefully you've not been run over by a truck. Now, if you work for UPS, I just picked one of these two. Don't hold this against me, all right? See a lot of miles that are traveled each day, 2.5 million miles, 220 countries, point two billion packages are delivered annually they make a little bit of money don't go anywhere i want to get something you thought i was going to the bathroom didn't you you've all seen these everybody in the room how many of you have delivered something through federal express raise your hand all right how many of you have delivered something and or received something from fedex raise your hand Okay, just about everybody in the room is over 12. Okay, great. Now, what has this got to do with life in the Spirit? I think it's got everything to do with life in the Spirit. You see, FedEx delivers packages to you, and FedEx delivers packages from you. It's exactly what the Holy Spirit's doing. When Jesus said, it is for your good that I go away, because if I go away, I'm going to send you, I'm going to give to you, I'm going to deliver to you the counselor, the comforter, the helper, this incredible uh, third member of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit. So here's how the Holy Spirit works in your life today. The Holy Spirit, if if you're a believer, this is a big box, couldn't we have gotten a smaller box? Um, The Holy Spirit works in your life today delivering messages to you. Already this morning, the Holy Spirit's delivered messages to you. The Holy Spirit's delivering to you love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And the Holy Spirit is removing from you anger and rage and malice and greed and lust. And the Holy Spirit's delivering to you God. He's giving you more of Himself. He's giving you purpose. He's giving you clarity. He's giving you His will. He's giving you direction. The Holy Spirit's constantly speaking into you. Buy this, don't buy this. Sell this, don't sell this. Rent, don't rent. Own, don't own. Go there, don't go there. The Holy Spirit's constantly wanting to deliver messages into you. How can you be a better mom? how can you be a better dad? How can you live in this world and have a better business? God's Spirit is constantly speaking to you, but he's also delivering from you. The Holy Spirit wants to remove from you those packages of gunk and junk that you've picked up along the way that aren't very healthy. And everybody in the room, we have some unhealthy habits, and everybody in the room, we've, from our upbringing or from what we've learned from our parents or maybe some really bad youth experiences or the bad business trip or the unfortunate spring break, whatever it is, we've all got that stuff that the Holy Spirit is removing from our life. Now, I am pumped to share this message with you today. If you'll give me about 25 more minutes, I promise you... That you're going to learn something today that you may have never learned before and you will walk out of here with more hope than you've ever had before in your life. The holy Spirit, That's a tall order, isn't it? We're, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to get there. You see, the Spirit in the Old Testament was, was promised and nobody could quite figure it out but Joel back over here, Joel promised seven, eight, 900 years. He and Zechariah and Jeremiah and Isaiah, they're all prophesying back here before Jesus was ever born. And Joel said, there's coming a day when I will pour out my spirit on all people. And Zechariah kind of said the same thing. And Zechariah said, let me tell you how it's going to work. It's not by might, It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And we see see David, when he messed up with Bathsheba and he killed Uriah, David in Psalm 51, he's pleading with God, Lord, please, I know I've messed up royally, but please do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And so with that in mind, God promised through Jesus that he would send the Holy Spirit. But here's the question where is the Holy Spirit? I mean, if he promised to send it, like, like where is it? Is it in Jerusalem? Is it in the church? I mean, I could feel it at grandma's house, but but where is it, like in grandma's house? And I want to answer that question specifically today, because the Holy Spirit today has a very specific place that he resides. And we're going to start with Romans chapter 8 so Romans chapter 8, verses, I'm going to look about three different verses, 8, 9, 10, 11. Look at this. Romans chapter 8 says this. You, however, you're not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit. If, indeed, the Spirit of God lives where? So where does the Spirit of God live? He lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Verse 10. But if Christ is where? he's in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Look at the next verse. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living where? He lives in you. He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives where? He lives in you. Now, why is this such a big deal? Why I think this is an incredibly big deal. Because you need to ask yourself, like, well like where? If the Holy Spirit lives in me, is he in my hair? For some of you that wouldn't be very good. Is he in your is he in your skin? Is he in your blood? Is he in your DNA? Where is the Holy Spirit if he lives in you? Like like where is he? Well, before we answer that question, I want to make sure that we all understand that we are made up of three components. In First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three says, "You are one. You have three pieces within you." Here we go. Here we go. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. That's a sermon all in itself. But just ignore that for right now. It's the next sentence I want you to get. Okay? May your whole spirit, soul, and body—that's what I want you to get. Just leave the rest of the verse out. What I want you to understand is you are made up of three pieces. You have a spirit. Say spirit. spirit. Say soul. soul. Say body. Now turn to the person next to you and say, I can see your body. Now, in fact, if you're single and you're sitting next to somebody hot, okay, this is your opportunity. All right? You don't need, you need Harmony. You've got side. So turn to somebody beside you and say, you've got a great body. Just make it up and say, I see your body. maybe you'll have some, some weddings in three or four months. I don't know. It all started the day he talked about the spirit, the soul, and the body. I love that. All right. So say spirit, Spirit. say soul, Soul. say body. body. You have all three of those and those are different. They are not the same. They are not the same. So where is the Holy Spirit of God? You have a human spirit, you have a human soul, and you have a human body. All right, let's look at the next verse. John chapter 3, verse 6 is really clear on this. This is a big verse. You need to memorize John chapter 3, verse 6. We got 316 memorized. This is a big one, all right? Flesh, this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But now you'll notice one spirit's capitalized because that's the Holy Spirit. And the next spirit is lowercase because that's the human spirit. Let's read this out loud together. Are you ready? Here we go. All right. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. So here's the deal. What happens is when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes inside your human spirit. The Holy Spirit takes Over your human spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit of God rules and reigns today. It's really simple. Really simple. The Holy Spirit comes into your human spirit. Now, here's what happens to your human spirit your human spirit at that moment is white lily white. Can't get any whiter, can't get any cleaner, can't get any more holy. You are body, soul, and spirit. When you become a Christian, your spirit is now immersed with the Holy Spirit of God. And you are a Christian, signed, sealed forever and forever and forever. That's the great news. That's the amazing news. The trouble, though, is my soul. And the trouble is, is, is your soul. The struggle is always in the soul. The, your spirit, if you're a Christian, it can't get any cleaner. It will never get any whiter. You will never be any more saved. You will never be less loved any less than what you are. You will never be loved any more. You can't get any better than what you are today if you're, if you're a Christian. Your spirit <clears throat> is sealed and is clean forever and forever. Your soul, however, that's where you and I struggle. We struggle in the soul. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Say that. Mind, will, emotions. Ready? Mind, will, emotions. One more time. Mind, will, emotions. And so the battle, the battle is always, the battle is always in the soul. Doesn't that explain how a Christian can make some really bad decisions? Doesn't that explain how a person can give their lives to Christ and still struggle with anger? Doesn't that explain how a person can give their lives to Christ and still struggle with insecurity and inferiority? Doesn't that explain how you and I can make some really bad decisions after we've given our life to Jesus Christ? The struggle's not your spirit. Your spirit can't get any whiter or cleaner, but your struggle will always be the mind the will, and the emotions. And so why do we do groups? Why do we try to get you to pray? Why do we try to get you to read the Bible? It's not for your spirit. Your spirit's there. Your spirit's right where it needs to be. But your soul gets out of alignment. And so the goal and the objective is to have the mind of Christ. It's to have the will of Christ, to will and to dream the things that Christ wants to have in your life. Let me me explain. Let me say kind of what I just said all over again in a little different way, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 is another classic verse. It says this, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? So where is the Holy Spirit today? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says it, it, it's within your body. Within your body, you house the Holy Spirit. But he's not being very specific there. He's being kind of kind of general right there. So let me give you a couple of illustrations. Let's say that that we're going fishing, you and I are going fishing, and I got a broken leg and I'm in the car or your truck or whatever, and we're going out, which is a really good illustration, because I was at the Keys a few years ago with seven stitches in my foot, foot wrapped up, garbage bag, black duct tape, and I went out 25 miles that day fishing. So I could break my leg and still go fishing. That's a good illustration. And I would say to you, I forgot my toothbrush. Would you go get my toothbrush? And you would say, Where's your toothbrush? And I would say, It's in the house. And you would say, Well, like, 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 where in the house, dude? I mean, you got bathrooms, you got bedrooms, you got living room. Where? It, it, it's on my sink. So it's in the house, but it's in a very specific place within my house. My toothbrush would be on my sink. Or, uh, illustration, my razor. I forgot my razor. Well, where, where's your razor? Well, it's in the house. Okay, well, where in the house? In the garage? In the kitchen? No, it's in, it's in the bathroom on my sink. Where is the Holy Spirit inside of you? Your body houses a soul, and your body houses a spirit, but where the Holy Spirit rules and reigns today is inside your human spirit. That's why you hear those messages That's why there's that gentle, still, small voice. He's speaking to you. And by the way, the Holy Spirit's not yelling at you. The Holy Spirit's not got a megaphone. The Holy Spirit's more like, excuse me? Is that really you, God? I'll pretend like it's not you. The Holy Spirit's like, like clears his throat. He's whispering to you. It's not a megaphone. By the way, did you notice I kept saying my sink? My sink? best marriage advice I ever got from this old guy when I was younger. He said, son, always have two sinks. I said, why? He said, she will dominate. She will rule. She will reign over her sink. You will never get to use your sink. So always have two sinks. So if you're about to get married on eharborside.com, I'm telling you, (laughs) that is great advice. Okay. Just trust me on that. She, she won't, she won't share with you. All right. So now, let's go through this and unpack this just a little bit because it's not your spirit. Your spirit is in great shape. Your spirit's cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. It's your soul that we're always working on. So let's unpack this and let's look at this. If you're a note taker, i got four or five of those blanks for you and I'd encourage you to take notes and look at this. Here we go, all right? Number one. Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means it's not based on our performance, but it's based on our position. And here's the difference between Christianity and every other faith. Every other faith, you're, they're trying to get you to jump through certain hoops, trying to get you to do certain things in order for you to get saved. Well, in Christianity, you, you can't do enough good deeds, you can't jump through enough hoops. Christianity is never based on what you do. It's always based on what he did. It's what he did for you. And so it's never based on your performance, but it's now your position. I'm in Christ, and Christ is, is in me, and we, he rules and reigns in, inside of me. So this is the difference within Christianity. So the whole condemnation thing where, where does it come from? It doesn't come from your spirit. It comes from your soul. And so inside of your soul, you get sick. Out you get sick and you go, Oh my gosh, I'm sick because I've sinned. I'm sick, and this is God paying me back. I'm sick because I did that, you know, when I was 12, and I knew I shouldn't have done that. No, 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 no. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus well, I got all these memories. I got all these memories of the past. And I remember that spring break back in 1977. And I, oh my gosh, you know, no, 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 there's, there's no condemnation. Now your soul's struggling, but there's no condemnation for you that are in Christ Jesus. And so if you failed, If you failed yourself, if you failed God, if you failed your family, if you failed your friends, there is still no condemnation from you, from Christ Jesus, because he has set you free. It's never based on your performance. And that's why Max Lucado has a statement. He says it's too good to be true, but it's too great to pass up. It's never based on you. Now, Charles Spurgeon, I got a quote from this old guy who lived a couple hundred years ago. And most of you have never read a sermon by Charles Spurgeon. It's old language. But this guy, 200 years ago, saying the exact same thing. Look at this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, you believe, he's preaching to his church. This is back in the 1800s. You believe in Christ. Go to your bed. You that believe in Christ, go to your beds this night and say, if I die in my bed, I cannot be condemned. Should you wake the next morning, go into the world and say, I am not condemned. When the devil howls at you, tell him, you may accuse me, but I am not condemned. And if sometimes your sins rise, say, I know you, but you are all gone forever. I am not condemned. Now, this is amazing news for you because no matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, no matter all the plethora of mistakes that you've made, In Christ Jesus, all your sins are washed away. And that's why his spirit has come to now live inside of you. And this is the challenge. If we'll just line up our souls, we'll just keep getting those packages from God, and he'll just keep revealing those things to us. And you and I will live a much more peaceful life. Here's what he says. Let's go to the next one. Here's the next fill in. This is not a formula. This, this life in the spirit, it, it, it's not a formula, it's a framework. And I love that word. I wrote that, but, but I love that word, okay? So, the reason I like that word is, is I, like, I like frameworks. I, I think Christianity is a, is, is a giant framework. It's, it's not a formula. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free. You've been set free from the law of sin and death. Now, what does that mean? It means that nobody can keep the law. Nobody kept the law. They couldn't keep the top 10. They couldn't keep the next 613. They couldn't keep the oral law. Nobody can keep the law. But what he's saying is this. He's saying the Spirit of God inside of you can line up your soul with your spirit and tell you what to say, what to do, what not to say, what not to do, Every single day of your life, the challenge is soul alignment. I line up my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, with the spirit of God that's already reigning inside of me. and that's why Second Corinthians chapter 3:17 is a great, powerful verse. I think this is another verse that you ought to memorize. He says, "Now the Lord is the spirit." <clears throat> And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. It's a a framework. Where God's Spirit is, you're always going to land well. When God's Spirit is, you're listening to, your soul is listening to the Spirit inside of you, you're not going to make those blunders. You're not going to make those deceptive mistakes. Sin is deceptive. You're not going to go there. Where the Spirit of the Lord is is alive and, and you're listening, It incredible freedom. All right, here's the next one. Next fill in. I'm delivered from because I I can be designed for. And again, we come back to our package. I want to be delivered from that guilt. And I want to be delivered from that shame. And I want to be delivered from those those memories. And I want to be able to go forward. I want to be delivered from... All those shackles. I want to be delivered from those addictions. I want to be delivered from those demons that just keep playing those same tapes over and over. I want to be delivered from because I was designed for greatness. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, no matter what you've done, you are designed for the Holy Spirit of God if you're at school. You're at school. The Holy Spirit's going to work through you at school you're at work, you're at home, you're in the neighborhood, you're at the bank. It doesn't matter where you are. The spirit of God's going ding, ding, ding. I got, I got something to say. I got, I got something to say. You know, you know what I've learned is I actually have to pretend like he's not speaking to me. Y'all ever do that? I can't be the Holy Spirit. I don't want to do that. Are you kidding me? That doesn't sound like fun. I don't want to go there. You want me to apologize? Are you kidding? It was her fault. You want me to forgive? Are you kidding? I'm the victim here, and the Holy Spirit's all the time speaking to you. Don't look at me like I'm not very religious. <laughs> He's speaking to you just like he speaks to me. I am delivering. Here's the verses that go with this. Look at this. For what the law was powerless to do, the Ten Commandments, all those laws from Moses, they were powerless. They could not give you life. Because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. What was Jesus? He was your sin offering. Amazing. He is my hero. He is amazing. Jesus died in your place and in my place. Our sin offering. And so because of that, he condemned sin in the flesh. Look at verse 4. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Because, you see, we we don't live according to the flesh, but we, we live according to the spirit. A reporter asked Billy Graham a few years ago, just a few years ago. It was a funny conversation. The reporter said, well, Reverend Graham, I guess by now at this point in your life, you don't struggle with those sins of the flesh like you did in your earlier days. And Billy Graham's response was, young man, I wouldn't trust the flesh till I'd been dead for four days. (laughs) He he understood, didn't he? He got it. He understood. Look at the next verse, verse five. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset. set. See, you, you can be a believer, still have your mind set on the flesh. Most people, old commentaries write this as if this was like to people who aren't Christians. That's not true. I, I completely disagree with this. This is written to Christians. This is written to the church at Rome. These are all believers. You can have a lily white spirit and be at odds within your soul. And see what happens is you can live according to the flesh. Your mind can be set on the flesh, but but that's not what we, what he wants. Those who live accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires, verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death. This is not to unbelievers. This is God's dreams die within you because you're living according to the flesh. God has plans for you. God wants to use you, and God can't use you because you're living selfishly. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit Now, baby, that's life, and that's peace. So here's our next little fill-in that kind of goes along with this. Pleasing the soul honestly brings anxiety. It, It may work for a couple of days or for a couple of weeks or for a couple of months, but honestly, everybody in the room over about 20 can testify to that, right? Pleasing the soul brings anxiety, but pleasing the spirit, that brings life, and that brings peace. There's a verse that says this. Listen to this. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh... He, guys, he's talking to believers here. He's not talking to non-Christians. He's talking to you and me. He's talking about our opportunity tomorrow. He's talking about your opportunity within your family. He's talking about your your incredible opportunity to be the man, the woman of God, and to walk by His Spirit. And He will open amazing doors for you that no one can fathom. Those who are in the realm of the flesh, they they can't please God. Look at verse 9. You, however, you're not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and and, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they, they don't belong to Christ. Verse 10. But if Christ is in you, and he's talking to the church, so the Christian, so, so he is, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life because of your righteousness. Look at verse 11. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you a new body. He will give you a new life. He will give life to your immortal bodies. Why? Because his spirit has taken over your incredible human spirit. All right, one last fill in. We'll wrap this puppy up. Look at the next one. You will yield and surrender to either your soul or the spirit within you. This is so true for every one of us. We we will yield and surrender to one of the two. And guess which one he wants you to have? And guess which one brings life? Let's look at a couple of verses. Verse 14, there, verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. Now, this is kind of an interesting word. It's the same word for debt. He's saying you have a debt because of what Christ has done for you. Now, he's really kind of laying some guilt on them, to be honest with you. He's laying some thick guilt on them. And See, I don't want to do that. I don't want to lay guilt on anybody. I want you to see the life. I want you to see how fun this is. I want you to see that the white knuckle adventure. I've I've got a front row seat, guys, for 33 years to sin. i got a front row seat to people, to believers, who are kicking and screaming and living in the flesh, in the soul. I get that. And nobody's happy with that. The happiest people in life are those Christians and those believers who have aligned their soul with their spirit, and they're living for Christ. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body. Isn't that a good word, misdeeds? That's a polite word for sin, isn't it? You put to death the misdeeds of the body. If you do that, if you live by the Spirit, if the Spirit, like Keeps listening to you and clearing its throat and speaking to you. If you live by the Spirit, you put to death those things of the mind, the will, and the emotions that are not of God. You will live. Verse fourteen. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. It's not going to entrap you to live by the Spirit. You're not going to live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And because of the Holy Spirit living inside your human spirit, you now have the most intimate relationship. You're my father. You're my dad. You're daddy. Amazing relationship. Verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I think as Christians, we all kind of get this, that he's delivering messages and packages to us. He's delivering. And our challenge is where in my soul am I not lining up? Where in my soul am I still bitter or angry or greedy or self-centered? Where in my soul... I need to surrender this morning. So they're going to pass out communion right now. Hold the loaf and the cup. And during communion, here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. I want to ask you today to pray about your soul. Where does my soul need some work? Where's the Holy Spirit inside my human spirit telling me it's time for some adjustments? It, 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 it's time for, for me to repent. It's time for me to confess. And if you're not a Christian today, that's the place to begin. The place to begin is I want to give my body, my soul, my spirit to Jesus. But but communion this morning, I want you to take a few minutes and just pray, Lord, where, where's my soul out of alignment? My attitude? My language, my lifestyle, where, where and I humbly, before the blood and before the body of Christ, I humbly surrender and submit to you. Take a couple minutes, hold them off for the cup. Sometimes this is really hard. It's really hard because we we like some of the things that we're doing that are not appropriate. And maybe we don't even like them, but they've become habits. They've become a part of us. So we come this morning to humbly confess our sins and our need for Christ. So take our soulish behaviors and attitudes cleanse us from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet.